Hey, this is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Sailor. Hello. Hey, Matt. What's up? <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And I tried to match your passionate voice. For is it me, me you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm that Richie. You know that gif with the dog? And someone puts the, has the phone next to his head and it says, hello, I'm dog. Why doesn't anyone ever no. make these? Well, there's another, there's another, there's a meme that has like a, a, like a, you know, like you would see in movies or whatever, like missing posters they put on trees. Oh, yes, I've seen and that. And it's like his picture, yes. Ronald Rich's picture, and it says, hello, is it me you're looking for? With yeah. like little yeah. like things you can tear you off. Take the the, phone yeah. Yeah. Yes. Here, this is the one. I've seen that. It's hello, yes, this is dog. You've never seen this. I've never seen that before. I don't, I don't even know. get it. I don't know, but I find it so funny. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, I'm not the only one because it's been going around for about 15 years. So there you go. There you have it, my friends. Alrighty. This is the important stuff that you need to know when you tune into Metal Rock and Whiskey, apparently. So we've got a show tonight here for you. This is part two of our Testament series. But before that... I wanted to talk a little bit about, we touched base on it last week, about plastic. When we, when I first found out about the product Liquid Death, which is canned water, it's just like bottled water, but in a can. So I had to read up, you know, a lot about, you know, what their mission statement was and everything. And (laughs) I went down a rabbit hole of the reality of plastic, which I had no idea I am such a good recycler, so it's ne- I didn't wasn't concerned about what I was purchasing. I was concerned about what I did after I was done with it. I have reusable bags when I go to the grocery store. Wow. So when I learned that only a tiny amount of plastic can actually be recycled into another product, I looked at my recycling bin outside. And I have one of the ones that it's like a roll, rolling, you know, garbage thing. You yeah. push it out onto the street. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than me almost. And it's full every week. And here I am. Our garbage can is tiny. And we maybe have one garbage bag a week. And I'm thinking I'm being such a good earthling because I'm recycling. <laughs> right? Earthling. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so That's I the looked, thought anyway. Yeah, Yeah. I looked in my recycling can, and the majority of it, I would say 97% of it is plastic. And I'm like, well, fuck, I'm just going to buy less plastic, right? Mm. Okay. So I walk into my kitchen, and I'm like, dishwashing detergent, plastic bottle, dish soap, plastic bottle, my Dobie little scrubber, because I'm grossed out by sponges, plastic, my Butter tub, plastic. Milk cartons, plastic. plastic. Like, I, my Tupperware, okay, it's not single use, but it doesn't last forever. Plastic. And I've got like five cabinets full of it. Sandwich baggies, plastic. Okay, I walk into my bathroom. Toothpaste, face wash, shampoo, conditioner, lotion, toilet bowl cleaner. It's all fucking put my toothbrush, plastic. Fucking everything. I I walk into my bedroom, put on my perfume bottles, makeup, lipstick tubes, plastic, plastic, plastic. It's fucking everywhere. Plastic. So now that I will not touch another 
plastic water bottle. I have the liquid death cans in my house. I was traveling yesterday and I went into a truck stop and I went to get myself water and there is no canned water. The only canned water I could get was carbonated flavored water. And I'm like, shit, I had to buy a bottle, a plastic bottle of water. Mm. Furthermore, now I'm going to have to keep that bottle in my car so that I can recycle it at home. And hopefully it becomes something, but probably not. Um, Or the thing about it is, if it is recycled and becomes something else, that something else is eventually going to be thrown away and end up in the landfill or worse. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, you don't have to be eco-conscious to pay attention to this. I'm a child of the 70s. I have looked at pictures. I think it was a few years ago. Someone came out with a series of photos from New York City. And then they did L.A. and a couple other cities of what it looked like in the 70s and 80s. And the smog. I can't fucking believe the difference. Mm. Everybody bitches about, I bitch about going and getting an emissions test on my car. Mm-hmm. And everybody thinks, you know, like, oh, it's just the tree huggers with their emissions and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Dude, that shit's for fucking real. Yep. Look at those fucking photos. And I mean, did I know that I was walking around all that smog? No, of course not. Like you'd hear about, oh, the L.A. smog every once in a while and there would be smog reports and shit like that. Like, OK, but I didn't recognize that I was breathing such unhealthy air. What if we never what if we didn't do anything about that? Can you imagine what the air quality? We would all be wearing masks like some fucking <laughs> Fifth Element movie or something yeah. like we definitely would, bullshit yeah exactly i <laughs> yeah. mean and that's not a joke like that's just not, that's yeah. like just fucking reality so then i think it was a couple weeks ago there was a, a story that came out they went to the deepest part of the ocean we've ever been to as humans and which is super cool and you know they come back with like little microorganisms and things like that <sighs> guess what was down there i don't know if you guys read the story did not. Lots of trash, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Not lots of trash. Plastic. In the deepest depth of the ocean that we have been to. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, come on. And if you think that this doesn't isn't that big of a deal, we, we, the planet can't live without... I mean, everybody's going to die. Like, that's basically what it comes down to. I feel really helpless, though, because, you know, I've been searching for alternatives to a lot of the shit that I buy... And I found, you know, a toothbrush company that makes wooden toothbrushes. But for a lot of other products, like, I, I don't really have an option, you know, yeah. well, especially, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, in our own household, I know my my daughters and my wife all have their own little steel, like stainless steel drinking straws they use. I have those. All the time. They used to buy regular plastic straws all the time. Yes. And, you know, that's one thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. I think so for me, there's a greater challenge because I'm very careful about the products I purchase. I will not buy any products that are tested on animals. I think it is the most deplorable, disgusting thing you can possibly do to use a vanity product and, you know, some other life form is suffering for it. You don't ever want to watch these videos. Just take my word for it. Agreed. Just please look at it's so simple. Just look at the bottle. If it has a little leaping bunny on it, it says cruelty-free, good to go. Trust me. you do, And you would be surprised. Some of the products that don't even go on your skin or in your body are tested on animals. It's fucking disgusting. So I'm careful that I, you know, I'm buying cruelty-free products. I try to buy products that don't have 
parabens and chemicals and disgusting shit that's not supposed to go in your body. So that's like another challenge because all of those products come in plastic bottles. (laughs) So I feel like it's really important that there's companies like Liquid Death out there. I had no idea I was going to be educated like this. I just thought like, oh yeah, what a great smart product. That's cool. But it comes down to companies like them. They're the ones that have to make the change. Like I can only do so much. Literally, what am I supposed to do? Stop brushing my teeth? Stop washing my hair, like, (laughs) you have to buy this shit. If there was, like, a bottle that's like, okay, I'm aluminum and or I'm paper, then I would say, okay, I have an alternative. I don't have to buy that plastic bottle. But for a lot of these products we talked about, I don't have an alternative or the alternative is really price prohibitive. And that's a big fucking problem. I don't know. I was, I, I just got freaked out, like, looking at the amount of plastic I'm using is I feel like I'm being a very bad citizen of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> so I think one of one of the points you're trying to make here is that unlike plastic, aluminum is infinitely recyclable. Yes. Right. It is. Yes. It can be yep. recycled over and over and over again, and we don't need to, you know, fill the oceans with aluminum. Correct. And paper, you know, we flipped out about paper, and I think that's where a lot of this plastic came from, because. For example, laundry laundry detergent and dish soap. Remember, you used to be able to get the boxes of the granules, mm-hmm. you know, and now there's sure. either the pods or the liquid. Right. Well, I think there's only one brand that uses the box anymore because I was like, I'll just go back to that. I don't give a shit, you know, if I have spots on my glasses. Like, who cares? <laughs> you know, like, it's not that important. Paper, you know, we can plant more trees and we know how to recycle paper now. So, yeah, I just encourage everybody, don't get overwhelmed like I did and go down the <laughs> the rabbit hole. Yeah. But definitely try to see if you can do little things. Because, you know, I think by the time, hopefully I will live to be a very old woman, I'll probably have filled up a lake myself with plastic. And that's that makes me feel terrible. Yeah, and going back to what you said, Sailor, real quick about liquid death and you know, obviously we thank them for backing our show and our network, really. I've seen on social media, you know, over the last few weeks, you know, they get some flack for their advertising campaign. But people, you got to look past that and see what they're doing. And what they're doing is very, very important. It's extremely important. Everyone should be paying attention to it. And uh, if we can even bring on this show a little bit a little bit of light to that and put it in perspective in the bigger picture, I think we're doing a great service to them and to what they're trying to do. Absolutely. And as whiskey drinkers in our community, if you're not eco conscious, you're you're not being a responsible whiskey drinker because, you know, our distilleries these days are incredibly eco conscious. They have learned their lesson the hard way, what an impact you can make on the environment by having just barrels spill or having a fire, disposing of water a certain way or not being able to access enough clean water. So it's a it's really become a very eco-conscious industry and we work very closely with farmers. So farming is very important to the the whiskey or the, the spirits industry in general, of course, because we're distilling farmed product. Farmers have have learned their lesson as well that they have to be very eco-conscious. So I think that this conversation has to stop being seen as like, I'll I'll see people make comments about the like 
the silver straws and plastic straw debate. Oh, these millennials. Fuck off. Like, how hard is it? Like, what's the big fucking deal? If people want to have an alternative to plastic straws, shut the fuck up. Who cares? It's ridiculous. Or And I've seen comments on the Liquid Death, some of some of their posts and stuff, you know, people like, oh, the millennials and they're, and they're worried about plastic bottles. Where did this mentality come from? Why isn't it just normal for us to be like, oh, yeah, that could harm the environment. Let's not do that. Why isn't that just a normal everyday <laughs> sentiment? I mean, if we're really intelligent beings, don't we want to protect the environment that we fucking live in? Yes. Like, isn't that just kind of, I don't know, basic 101 of being yeah. a and living you have, being? And you have three people on the show who aren't millennials who feel Correct. this way. Yes. Far from yep. it. Far yep. from yes. it. So, my friends, I encourage you to go to Liquid Death website, um, read about them. You know, what they do with their cans and their name is really funny, and they're really doing that to get attention. But really, it's just clean, bottled water. Uh, and, and it's, sorry, not bottled, but in a can, canned water. Canned water. <laughs> Actually, the other thing that's cool, too, that I thought about, I'm one of those weirdos that won't drink the bottled water if it's been in my car for, like, a month, because I know that heat will break down the plastic and I can taste it. I swear to God, I can taste it. So I get mm -hmm. like geeked out by that. I can leave these cans in my car and it's fine. You know, like I don't have to worry about that. So that's, that's kind of cool as well. And honestly, it tastes better. Think about drinking beer out of a plastic bottle. Gross, right? Yeah. How about, I don't know if you guys have a soda preference. I cannot drink soda out of plastic bottles. I think it tastes so strange. No, but I do have a beer preference, and I always prefer a beer out of a can Same. than a bottle. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I don't care what kind of bottle. Yeah, canned beer tastes way better. Yeah. It's like soda. For me, it's either can or t or has to be soda fountain, like with beer, draft or can only. Yeah. The water, the water just it just tastes better. So and they look cool. So there you go. They do. That's my little PSA about plastic. <laughs> Get your shit together, everybody, and let's eradicate fucking plastic all right ed i mentioned early on that we we're going to be discussing testament again because it's part two yes you did and we will continue the discussion so tonight as promised last week uh we will be battling testaments to albums the new order and practice what you preach the new order being from was it 1987 or 88? 88. 88, and then practice what you preach from 1989. 1989. Your smile. What are we drinking tonight? So as always, we drink on this show. It is, of course, metal rock and whiskey. And, uh, you know, we usually go around the horn and talk about what each of us are drinking. So who wants to kick us off with what they have in their glass? 
I am drinking a Texas whiskey tonight. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. I know of two. Can I guess? Yep. It's one of the two, (laughs) I'm sure. Elvis Balcones. (laughs) Yep. Is it made for... Is it made from blue corn? Uh, it's not, actually. Oh, it's the other one. I almost grabbed that. Almost. So, last week, you were drinking Fire and Cane, right? Yes. Yes. And we started talking about funkiness, and I was relating the funkiness of Ed's Willet to the flavors I pick up from malt single malts. And it made me think of Balcones. I'm like, mm. that is what I get. From Balcones. So I went through all my crap. I couldn't find a bottle. So I went out and bought a new bottle. Um, So I'm drinking their Texas Single Malt. Um, I think one of the things about their whiskey is their barley. They use Golden Promise Barley. Um, Matt, do you know about this? I would assume you might know a little bit about this barley. I do not know about the barley, no. So, you know, we talk about Empire Rye all the time. Yes. Um, I think they're going to try and do the same thing with this barley. So it's got a very distinct flavor. I heard that. I've heard that. I think, uh, I can't remember if it was Whiskey Cast or who did several tastings and talked about it. But I think I I totally agree that it's got a very distinct flavor, in my opinion, assuming that comes from this specific type of barley. This stuff is so freaking delicious. I did not want to like it. <laughs> I don't know why. Their stuff is so good. Oh my god, their stuff is so good. So I'm new to them. I've ta- I did. I've done tastings in the past. I don't. I don't honestly remember what I tasted, but I was just like, okay, maybe it was me. It could have been my palate or the other things I was tasting. But my god, you guys. This stuff is phenomenal. Also, don't you find it interesting when you read the flavor? So when you read the tasting notes from the brand and then you find, I always Google tons of reviews and you will find everybody's pretty much saying the same thing about this stuff. I love that. So this stuff is 100% that golden promise barley. They age it in several different type of casks. It is, God, dried figs you get nuttiness in here it's got a really nice dry finish which i actually like in this specifically i don't love super dry finishes in bourbon but i actually am finding that in single malts i like that tons of cinnamon and stone fruits all over the place like that's what i would say is the fig the cinnamon and stone fruits are everywhere then you get that Mm. nuttiness I don't get a ton of barrel in here, which is absolutely fine, even though I do love barrel all over the place in most of my whiskeys. It's just such a phenomenally balanced whiskey. Mm -hmm. I would recommend this for everyone, especially if you are a scotch drinker and you don't think you like American whiskey. I would say this is your go-to. This Texas single malt is Unfucking believable I am absolutely in love with it. I don't know. For me, I just thought it was also like a really good whiskey to pull out for tonight's show because I feel like Texas has to battle for their place in American whiskey. I mean, as does really most whiskeys made outside of Kentucky. 
yeah, um, and say. Tennessee, but them even more so because who the fuck thinks of Texas and goes whiskey? I mean, I don't. So Barbecue, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Interesting about that golden promise barley. So apparently, it's an early maturing spring barley, and they feel like it's the perfect depth of flavor for for single malts. It's apparently was a cheaper barley with a higher yield. So it makes sense that they would use that. But they just, they do something. They do something in their barreling that just makes for absolute perfection. So I'm I'm in love. And that is what I'm drinking tonight. Sounds good. That's what That's I'm awesome. curious about. Yeah, and that is like. other people talk about Oh my God, well. go get yeah. it. Go get it. Fuck trying a dram first. Just go buy the bottle. And for, for what it's worth, and I don't put much credence into metals or 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 scores no, or anything like that. But that whiskey has won over and over and over yeah. countless. Yeah. And I'm yeah. telling you it's in like the the dozens of dozens of medals and awards at uh-huh. different spirits competitions. But yeah, if go go try it. That's all I can say. Yeah. I can back yeah. up Sailor and say just go try it. It is just yeah, I don't give credence yeah. to medals either because I feel like every single distillery I walk into Especially craft distilleries. Every fucking bottle has a metal on it. I'm like, how yeah. is this? There's no way. It's, it's like, how many whiskeys won the gold medal that exactly. year? Exactly. Yeah. That <laughs> Isn't there sense. supposed to be one? I know. It makes zero sense. So whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't really give a shit about um, tasting panel. Like, the you know, the, the best whiskey in the world this year. I think oh, that shit's all stupid because it's also subjective. But when, the you know, a majority of drinkers say that they like it, that's when I start to listen. So that's me. What about you guys? So I have something kind of cool. I have something from, it's actually from Buffalo Trace. Oh. Yeah. Piqued everyone's interest with that. Mm -hmm. Dropping those iconic words, Buffalo Trace. Except Ed does not like Buffalo Trace products. What? Oh. Yeah. Since when? What Buffalo Trace products do you like? Uh, William Leroy Weller, Elmer T. Lee, um, what else do I got? Rock Hill Farms, Old Rip Van Winkle, 10 year. Can I go on? Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the toothpaste is just a minority. That was Eagle Rare. <laughs> <laughs> so Harlan Wheatley, who is actually the current master distiller at Buffalo Trace, I have a bottle that has been deemed his little pet project. So, what? yes, Hancock's President's Reserve, <gasps> single barrel, single barrel. It yeah. is mash. It is Buffalo Trace mash bill number two, which is the same as Blanton's. Mm-hmm. And boy, do the taste profiles line up pretty, pretty good. Ooh. Yes. So I will say that anyone who is actually looking for Blanton's, this is if you can find this one, is a great alternative to Blanton's. So it's full bodied. You get a lot of honey, nice toasted oak, some spice. This is also, at least in the market I'm in now, pretty limited. It's not as limited as Blanton's. You will see more of this out there, but it is it's an out of this world single barrel bourbon for under fifty dollars. You cannot oh, cool. beat it. I am jealous. That's, yes. Sounds delicious. So that is what I have. And I'm right. happy that I have it. Ed, what about you? All right. So after hearing you talk about the bookers last week, it really got me 
thinking about barrel strength whiskeys. I personally don't have a bottle of Booker's right now, but what I do have is a bottle of Jack Daniels single barrel barrel strength Tennessee whiskey, so which is I'm going to go out on a limb and could well I'm going to say that's not it's my opinion. Okay, I'm not going out on a limb here. It's my favorite product that they put out. I know there may be others that no. people might say are superior I, that I, I haven't second, tried yet. I second that. Ed, I, I second it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the barrel proof is the best. But yeah, that um, total. I don't know how else to describe it. Is it's just brown sugar. You got. Uh, I've heard people talk about bananas, Foster, all that. That's you know you, you get a lot of that from from the Jack Daniels brand. It's a lot different from any other barrel strength bourbon that I've ever had. Really good stuff, and. The price point is not that bad when you all things considered. It is a little higher for a for a daily. If you, it's, I wouldn't really call it a daily drinker price range, but you know, for every once in a while, if you want something really special, something really good, it's definitely one to keep keep in your liquor cabinet for sure. I cannot. I don't know what it is, but I cannot drink Jack Daniel's products. I there is something about the taste. That I just can't do. Even that gentleman Jack, I I t- did a tasting. There was a some kind of single barrel. There was the gentleman Jack and that guy and something else. And then I had it, and someone got me a cocktail with the gentleman Jack in it at, a, at an event. And I freaking t- I was like, something is weird in here. And I think it was just like a Manhattan or something. And I'm like, what is in here? And she's like, oh, it's the gentleman Jack. I'm like, I. There's something about <laughs> I don't don't care for it. It's so I, weird. I, I don't like it either. But that is the one that I can drink. That's the only one. I do, is the barrel yeah. proof. Yeah. I can't. I don't know. There's there's a very distinct. Which good on them. You should hopefully as a brand you want to have such a distinct flavor profile. But I mean I know the rest of the world loves it. I'm just the one weirdo that doesn't. I guess. Well, Jack Daniels actually was my gateway into the whole uh, whiskey and bourbon world. Um, That was the first, you know, yeah, um, that's the one that's always out there, you know, on every single bar you go into, they have, you Mm -hmm. know, Jack Daniels and Jim Beam. And, you know, and I know we've been talking lately about, you know, lazy cocktails, whatever, a good Jack and Coke every (laughs) once in a while is is really good. I I can tell if uh, it's Jack in there. And even with the Coke, I can tell every time when someone, you know, I've been to events where it's just like, you know, you have your choice of like, it'll say a whiskey and Coke or a gin and tonic and you don't know what the fuck spirit is in there. Every time I can tell, even with the Coke, I'm like, give me more Coke in here. We have to call it on this show. We have to call it a Lemmy. Yes, we should call call it a Lemmy. Yeah. All right. I'm doing that. I'm down with that. Good for you. Yes. Yes. Because it doesn't have to be Jack Daniels. (laughs) It can just be a whiskey and Coke. Yes. <laughs> All right. So this week I don't have a whiskey segment per se. Last week I paired Booker's bourbon with uh, Testament. And um, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it, please. I thought it was 
pretty cool. But I did go back to another product, Little Book. Have you guys had Little Book? Yes, I have. That's one I actually have had. What did you think of Little Book? I thought it was good. I really liked it. Matt? I have not tasted it. Unfortunately, I missed that one. Yeah. So it's very limited edition. It's really, I think at this point, it's really hard to find. I secured a bottle of it right when the first one came out. I think I was still in Ohio, so I went... I went down to Kentucky and got it right over the river. So I thought I would go to the little book and try and remember if it how close it was to Booker's. And, um, you know, I see the relation to it, but I think it is definitely its own. It's its own expression for sure. But I like the, I like the relationship there is with it. So um, I still for me, would go back to Booker's every time rather than Little Book, but that's just me. So that was really it for the whiskey segment tonight, aside from what we were all drinking. So uh, how about we get into this discussion? Do it. All right. Let the battle begin. But first, let's just remind the listeners and ourselves what the fuck we're talking about. Okay, so Testament has left a legacy as one of the leaders of the second wave of thrash metal in the 1980s, as well as being known as one of the most influential Bay Area thrash metal acts. We are starting with The New Order. It was released in May of 1988. This was the album that broke Testament into the thrash metal mainstream. It was the first Testament album to enter the Billboard 200. It remained on the chart for 13 weeks. And in August of 2014, Revolver Magazine placed the New Order on its 14 thrash albums you need to own list. And I would absolutely say they should be in a top five uh, Mm -hmm. list like that. But yes, it, it definitely belongs there. So let's talk a little bit about this album, everybody's thoughts on it, and we'll, and we'll see where this goes. It's it's 
the cover is definitely iconic if you were a thrasher mm-hmm. back in the day or metalhead. It's got, you know, the earth and its space and it's got the Testament logo at the top of it. It's very of the time. I think if we were to do a Google search of albums in the 80s that had the planet Earth in it, I think there's a Journey album, right? There's, there's probably yeah. like every Boston, five bands. Boston, yeah. Yeah, there's tons of them. Europe. Europe, Asia. Didn't yeah. Asia do one? Asia too? did one too. Yeah, yeah. see, they're just everywhere. They're everywhere, um, yeah. So this album was recorded in Ithaca, New York, and it came out on Megaforce. Of course, we've talked about Megaforce uh, records on our last, on part one um, of the series. And um, so I wanted to read you guys this. This is from um, Alex Skolnick. He said, we barely got done with our first couple of tours on that first album cycle when we were informed that we had to have another album soon. He said, we got spooked in a way because we never had to come up with music on the fly. By the time we finally recorded the album, we neglected to look at our recording contract. We actually had it in our contract that there's a minimum of 40 minutes of music. And we clocked in just under that. Oh, shit. So he says our album was promptly sent back. And then we added the Aerosmith's tune and those little instruments and extended a couple of sections. And uh, that was all done so that we wouldn't breach our recording contract. Oh my gosh, I remember I read about that too. That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, it's interesting because a, a lot, some some very large acts back in the day that wanted to leave their record companies, and their companies are like, "Well, you still have two records to give me." Would just like record one long piece of shit song and be like, "Here you go, here's your yeah, record," because yeah. it didn't specify, or it'd be like you know, 12 two-second songs. It didn't specify the duration, so I'm sure that's, what, <laughs> that's where yeah, that's some bands, some bands work better under pressure like that. Yeah. And I think and these some, guys fit, I think these guys fit that bill, definitely. I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> so thoughts, guys? Well, I, for one, am new to Testament. That sounds kind of funny. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, all I can say is, man, where have you been all my life? Right? I... Right, dude, I'm so Gosh, glad. Now. I'm so glad. Me too. I'm man, so glad too. I so wish I would have been into them when I was in high school. Got I would have, but but the thing is, being it was so much harder to be exposed to different kinds of music back in that day. Yeah. You know, I did, had no one to introduce me to it. Obviously, it was you weren't going to hear it on the radio. But <laughs> no. man, I am a huge fan now after listening to these two albums. Yeah, I mean, there was no, you weren't going to hear them on the radio. Yeah. You weren't going to see them um, on MTV. So really, you're two, you're, you had three outlets, I would say, or maybe four. So you would have, you go to live shows, and they just happen to come through your town as an opening act, because they're small this time, right? That's right. one yeah. way. Yeah. The second way would be if you were into tape trading. I don't know, you would if you were into listening. I used to say you can send me stuff I don't know about because I wanted to be exposed to new bands. Or you had a friend that's like, oh, listen to this, which is how I got exposed to tons of music. Um, like I said, my my best friend was my neighbor. Her older brother is responsible for a lot of the music I know. And music magazines like Hit Parader, Metal Hammer, Circus, sometimes they would write about new upcoming bands. But then you had to go out and buy the tape. Like, you had to trust the magazine, I guess, yeah, yeah. and then just go buy the tape. I'll tell you, right out of the gate with, I think, what's the first track? Eerie Inhabitants. Mm-hmm. It's just so, so reminiscent yeah. of yeah. old school, like, mm-hmm. 
Metallica. Yeah. Early, very early Metallica. Even the vocals, I oh, got yeah. a lot of like the the style, the 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 sound of the vocals was very reminiscent of early early Hetfield. James Hetfield. Yeah. yeah. And as I yeah. listened to more to this, I could see how they've influenced other other bands later on. I could hear Phil Anselmo in some of the vocals. I could hear Rob Zombie. I could hear even a couple little snippets, maybe a little Sebastian Bach in parts. But what? yeah, you could Dude, tell man, like yeah, you're right though. You like Chuck Chuck Billy is one of those guys. He fits all he fills all the holes for me as a yeah. musician. And all those comparisons you made, I think there's a little bit of every of those guys in him too. I, yeah. I do feel that way. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's predating some of those guys. You oh, know? hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I've got a confession to make. As soon as I, I listened through this the first time, and I went through, and I listened through it a second time, and, and I was sold. I went immediately went to Amazon and bought the MB3 album. <laughs> <laughs> See, hell yeah, is, Ed. Hell this, yeah. This blows my mind. And I. this is why last week I did the pairing the way I did it, because I still... Today, I feel like I'm converting people to the Old Testament constantly. <laughs> I don't understand. I've never understood if you like people. They're like, "Oh yeah, I've been listening to Metallica since day one." And I'm like, "How the fuck have were you not listening to Testament also?" Yeah. Or you're a Megadeth fan from early on. How the fuck were you not listening to Testament? Like, I I don't understand that Exodus, but you don't know Testament. How the fuck? I, I don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't. I I mean, I'd put them right up there with with like Megadeth as far as, you know, that's another thing. Dave Mustaine, too. I, I even got a little Mustaine oh God, out yeah. of his vocals, Absolutely. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it's just, yeah, I could go on. But Matt, what about your impressions? What do you think? I've heard this album a few times from start to finish. And this is going to sound pretty incredible because the track nobody's fault i only made the connection today that it was an aerosmith cover <laughs> really no honestly and, and and it's from the album rocks and that's one of my favorite aerosmith albums and i never actually like made the connection because he makes it sound so good on this album here and you know i have to second everything that ed said everything that he said is absolutely true I do have experience with this band. Uh, I think that they should be in the discussion for Big Four. Yep. Obviously, we talked about that with Exodus, yep. where mm-hmm. you know we all kind of felt that Exodus should be that fourth band coming to kind of bump an Anthrax down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to put Testament in that discussion, too. I mean, they were there. It was the time. They came out of the gates hot. And, you know, this album, it's, you know. It's, I it's, think they should be there over Slayer. Uh, I would yeah, agree. I do. I would. Well, I know. Like, you well, know I know you would. all know how I feel. I know about you would. I know you. Yeah. yeah, but I'm a huge Slayer fan, and I still say, if, if stylistically, okay. I would say, if you had to make a choice, I would slide Testament in and put well, Slayer down. Exactly. Like, if you back if them if up a little, down a little. If yeah. you're talking purity of sound, and mm-hmm. what you're trying to. Uh, group by sound and how closely it is to what thrash really is i agree with you um but i think that they slide in a few years later than all those other bands so obviously their first album's 87 so i think that they're a little bit 
late to the game on that. I guess that's why. Well, they're late to the game in, yeah. in recording, but not in playing. That's true. And forming. I mean, that that's the thing. See, this is something that we need to be really conscious of because it's just so different today. But they formed in 1982. You know, they were playing out heavily since 1982. They're there at the same time. They, they're they right on par with everybody else mm-hmm. and predate some of those other bands, honestly. So the one thing I was going to say about this album, not not to get off on a tangent here, but usually, you know, we record these shows on Wednesdays. And on Wednesdays, I usually have a day off. So, I'll, you know, I'll do what I have to do around the house, go to the gym. I'll put on whatever albums I'm listening to and, you know, I'll do my workout. And I got to tell you what. First four songs in this album, probably the best sets I've had in a long time at the gym. Like these <laughs> songs, I'm telling you, like there's something about how they structure their songs and the fucking riffage in the in these songs, oh, and yeah. like into into the pit is fucking great. It's riffage. just like an old school that. riffage. It's just it's I just old it. school, just heavy, murky, thick riffs. It's so good. It's so good. So I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. I feel that this album, I think I said I said something similar with Exodus. I feel that this is everything. This album gives you everything you want out of an early American thrash album. There are a couple of bands where their first albums could be dictionary definitions. You know, if an alien comes down, what is American thrash? Let me play you this. Yeah. This is one of those albums. For yep. fucking sure. I've been a fan for a very long time. I saw them live, you know, with everybody else back in the day, just really because of my geography. I, I lived in a very big city and, and things came my way a lot. When I knew we were going to cover them and we put them on the on the schedule, I went back and started listening again. And I'm like, oh, my God, I remember why I used to love them so much, because this is what I loved about Metallica. This is what this this is the sound that I love out of these bands. And this album is, to me, the quintessential example of the sound that I absolutely love and adore and brings me back and and gives me that feeling that I had, that I had about Metallica, which formed, and I keep going back to Metallica because they're the ones that, they were who I was first introduced to and began to appreciate thrash. So, you know, they're the epicenter for me. There's something about this album that is a time capsule, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. And I think it's so well-formed for being, you know, even though they were a band for quite some years, to only be their second studio album, I think it's in the short amount of time. Again, we've talked about this before as well. You were not in the studio for months back then. You didn't start no. talking about writing an album last year, you know, and then... You like now it's like 2018. It's uh, there's some talk that there's going to be an album coming, and then 2019 <laughs> they're like, well, we're in we're in pre-production. It was like, dude, you've got two weeks, get it together, go record your fucking album. I like that. I like that a lot. So uh, yeah, I love this album. Now I was watching in a one of their little <laughs> films on the making of one of the the, the albums or songs. They're talking about how they didn't track separately. They purposely all wanted to play together. Mm-hmm. And um, just cause for the feel and energy, I guess the energy. Yes. Yeah. So whatever they did, they did it right. Are we ready to go to the next album? Yes. 
So this album comes right on the heels of The New Order. So The New Order, remember, was May of 88. This album is August of 89. That's fucking fast. Yeah. But again, that's what they used to do back then. Somehow they could get their asses off the ground and do it. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with bands today. Um, so the title track of this album was... Critics and historians call it a moderate mainstream rock hit. I would argue that again i think you're looking at that with perspective and that's incorrect i would call this a very big hit at the time because it was a small such a smaller world especially for thrash Mm -hmm. um it featured a music video that got pretty substantial mtv airplay and i don't know if you guys remember it was the the ballad there's a lot of no 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 the (laughs) the title track um, oh, okay. They had yeah. the pyrotechnics and they're in the like alley, you know, yep, yep. downtown area or some shit. I don't know. It's <laughs> fucking awesome. So then there was the ballad, and the ballad also got um, a lot of airplay and on MTV too because ballads were very popular at the time <laughs> from the rock ballad. band. The ballad. But the know, funny right? thing is, it's only a ballad for like the first half. Yeah, it really of the is. Song. Yeah. And then they just screw this. Let's jam. Let's, I wonder. I, it's, it. it's funny because I remember thinking at the time, and I thought this again. It's kind of it's funny like how your thought process can remain the same. When I listened to it, and was watching the video. I was like, I wonder how many people were like. Start that were not thrash fans or metal fans were listening to it. Like, oh, I like this, and all of a sudden they're like, what the fuck is this? Halfway through the song. Yeah, well, it's probably tongue-in-cheek, you know? Oh, I'm sure. But yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> so. so within a couple of years, this uh, album had sold over 450,000 copies in the U.S., which is a, was it was a really big deal then to sell that many copies of a record as a band in a category that was not getting really mainstream attention. I find it interesting that it's never been certified gold by the RIAA. I feel like that is a miss. I would assume at this point in time, and I think you just contributed to that, Ed. Okay, so we said this came out in 89. 89 is quite a year for metal. Oh, yeah. They're talking about the typical things, the occult, politics, society. I feel like James Hetfield was the only one writing about the Civil War over and over and over and over and over in his music when everybody else was talking about more relevant themes. Okay, let me hear your thoughts, guys, before we get into, like, the the meat of this a little bit more. For me, it's just a continuation of the goodness. Mm -hmm. You know, this album, I mean, this could be like a double-disc set. And there might be a minor change in sound, but not much. I mean, this is just, just continues on what they've been, been doing. Listening to this, I enjoyed this pretty much 
as much as the first as the the previous album, The New Order. Man, this is this is a tough one. So good, so good. And for me to to be able to pick one of these over the other, I almost thought about doing a coin toss. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So, what I, are your favorite I, tracks? On this um, album, that what are your standout tracks? Um, Practice what you preach. Of course, that was a, a hit, really good hit. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to. It's it's tough because, like I said, I I'm not a not a haven't been listening to them very long. I've li- listened to this album, I think, a total of two times. So trying to remember exactly which tracks stood out to me is a little bit of a challenge. I feel like I'll, this album tracks with a lot of albums from back then where. The best tracks are all at the beginning, and then yeah, the album kind of peters out. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But there, there is no in either of these albums. There are no songs that I that I hate. None of them. You know, granted, I do like some more than others, but yeah, I just remember all I know is my impression. I know my impression of this album was extremely favorable, and it was. I had to go back and forth. I mean, I have formed an opinion which I'm going to pick in my head, but it was tough. It was really, really tough. Matt, what about you? Well, this album, actually, it it does hold kind of a place in my heart a little bit because, you know, as a younger person who was into metal and thrash, you know, I was into the Metallicas and the Megadeth Slayers, obviously, as I've testified on this show many a times. And, you know, I had a, a friend, you know, one of the jobs I worked in over the years who was a huge metal fan, a huge thrash fan, was probably 20 years my senior, who said, oh, you've only tapped the surface of this genre. Mm. And one of the first albums that he, when you were burning CDs back in the day, <laughs> yeah. one of the first albums he burned for me was Practice What You Preach from testament and he said here listen to this and this album is fucking amazing it's amazing you know the the title track is it's one of my favorite metal songs of all time it's it, their it most really, famous song it's their most favorite period it's, it's, clearly it's their most famous song yeah but it's also one of my favorite metal songs and i think what you said about the album being front heavy and tapering out I mean, I'm going tracks one through seven on this album, and I'm completely invested in it. It's not till uh, the ballad <laughs> that I kind of fall, that I kind of like. Okay, all right. I guess you got to throw one of those on there, you know. But you know, the instrumental, you know, I'm all for that too. At the end, it's very, I guess, of what a thrash metal album would be. I mean, a lot of those guys had instrumentals on their album near the end of the album. Yeah. at that time but it's just it holds a place in my heart and this album is just if you're looking for a quintessential 80s metal album this is there it's mm-hmm. in the conversation it's in the conversation you're talking rust and peace you're talking all those other albums we've discussed ad nauseum on the show yeah. this is in that conversation for me so this album is fantastic i remember this i remember practice what you preach the song being on every single episode of headbangers ball for the longest time i mean you could pretty much guarantee you were gonna hear the song every what was it friday nights or was mm-hmm. it friday nights or saturday nights 
like back in the day. I can't remember. It was one it of those was Fridays. Yeah. Might, I think I think so. I, I feel like it was Friday. Friday. Yeah. yeah, and it's just yeah. Again, like so, how I say this is another one of those dictionary definitions of thrash yeah. metal. I think this song should be preserved as a dictionary definition of American thrash metal in the 80s. And the time it came out to was just the sweet spot time. I think, though, here's, and this is kind of a minute of a tangent, I feel like Megaforce did not back them properly. And I don't know why. I feel like Megaforce held them back a little bit. They didn't give them the support that they were giving some of their other bands that went on to be much, much bigger and much, much more famous. I don't think that their, I think their lack of fame was certainly not due to their talent. It wasn't due to their likability. It wasn't due to their lack of touring. I feel like they needed more from Megaforce, and I don't understand why they didn't get it. I don't. Well, I think they could have been the next Megadeth, in my I, opinion. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, because even though back in those days, Metallica and Megadeth were not mainstream bands but yet i heard of metallica mm -hmm. i heard of megadeth mm -hmm. but i never heard of testament mm -hmm. exactly i i don't it'd Take be really you will. interesting to know what you know why and what decision in that time frame it seems strange to me especially once they started i don't know once they saw that they were you know, they were getting good rotation on MTV. I don't know why they didn't push them better. Why did they didn't realize how likable they were? It seems strange to me. I, I think they had everything that you want when you're a label head. You want a band that's willing, that's good, number one, that's likable, and then a band that's willing to tore their brains out. It's that's the perfect fucking band, mm -hmm. especially when they're playing super relevant music of the time. And... They were. They had all of that. So I, I don't understand. You know, I know that often labels will hold back some bands because they want to focus. They just they, ha they have this one band and they want to put everything behind that one band and focus on them and they will hold back other bands. And I think Testament, you know, Testament is a perfect example of that, in my opinion. I don't know. I, I feel like that that's a big question mark in my brain yeah i think they um, missed the boat on that definitely absolutely I would agree. absolutely it's to their own detriment you know of course yeah i love this album as well and i agree with you about like a double disc set and i that's why we're battling these two albums yeah. because to battle any other albums up against either one of these albums would be like too easy it'd be like a no-brainer these two albums could be one full album. It's a perfect continuation of the new order for me. I absolutely love this album. So I, I think I think it's gonna be very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> so this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a quick break. The listeners are going to um, get a chance to listen to a little bit of music. And um, when we come back, it's going to be time for us to make a decision. And, you know, who knows if we will have a tie or if we will push one album forward. Who will win, The New Order or Practice What You Practice or Preach What You Practice <laughs> or Practice What You Preach? <laughs> we'll be right back.
All right, and we are back. Hopefully you enjoyed those wonderful sounds from Testament. All right, I feel like we are just prolonging (laughs) the madness here. (laughs) So enough fucking around. It's time for us to vote. We are going to go around the room. Uh, We're just going to do it like this. It's New Order against Practice. Who wants to start? Well, I'll go ahead. I've been going first for these, so I'll just go ahead. Because I can't choose yet. (laughs) (sighs) Like I said, I mentioned earlier, at one point, I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to toss a coin and whatever I get, I get. Because I could not make a decision between these two albums. But then I'm looking, I'm going through it, going through them a second time. And then I hit one track and I'm like, okay, this is it. This is going to be the tiebreaker right here. (laughs) (laughs) And the tiebreaker was the instrumental musical death. Okay. On the New Order album, which I absolutely love. It is a piece of art. And like I said, if I had to choose between two albums, I would probably, just because of that, I would probably, because it's so evenly split, I would pick the new order for that, for that track, to have that track on there. Okay. All right. So one for the new order, not to be confused with the band New Order. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Matt, it's you, my friend. So this is, as Ed mentioned, an extremely difficult toss-up. And it really is a toss-up. Two albums that are very similar. I would like to liken it to kind of Ride the Lightning and Puppets, to put it in kind of perspective. Puppets, you mean? Puppets. Puppets. Yes. Very similar layouts, very similar in the way they arrange their tracks. But... um, you know, as great of a workout as I had with New Order, um, the sentimental value of being introduced to the expanded world of thrash metal with Practice What You Preach overrides, uh, for me, New Order. So I have to go with Practice What You Preach because it, it was a step in my musical library that I can't, undo, that I can't discount. Um, and then listening to these albums again now, uh, it just reiterated that fact. So I have to go with practice what you preach. Very interesting. So yes. we have one for the new order and one for practice what you preach. So it looks like I'm going to be the tiebreaker. Yes. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is unfair. This is unfair as fuck. All right. So... The New Order was my first love when it comes to Testament. Practice What You Preach is just an unfucking believable album. <sighs> Sometimes I do this by, well, I can't do away with X and X song, you know, like without the song Trial by Fire, Into the Pit, you know, I, 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 I have to have those songs, so therefore I choose this album. So that's kind of what I have to do here. But ultimately, I feel like for me, I, Testament exists in this very specific time and place. And that specific time and place, although they're so close together when these albums were made, Practice What You Preach is a continuation of the New Order, in my opinion. So that 
puts new order, the new order first. So I'm going to have to go with the new order. Sorry, Matt. Oh, can't go wrong either way. You can't. No sailor rule, no tie, nothing like that. <laughs> what? Not it's not a sailor rule. Votes. Yeah, we got three votes. There's no tie. There's no tie. No, I'm saying, like, no, like, you, you know. Oh, no. No, You're not, not backing out of this decision. Okay. No, okay. no, no. Okay. I feel like I, it wasn't impossible for me to choose. It was uh, possible. It, it was hard. This was difficult. I've been thinking about this for a while because I knew these were the albums we were going to. I mean, I, there was, to me, no other choices for what ba- albums we were going to battle. And it's it's the new order. So, officially, the new order wins. So says Metal Rock and Whiskey. And that makes it so, I guess. <laughs> the new order reigns supreme. That is true. So, I'm going to take my gavel, which is my big giant knife, and... Say the new order <laughs> is the best album from Testament. But, but still, still always practice what you practice. Still always practice what you practice and preach what yes. you practice. It's very, very important. Great. So that ends our battle segment. That ends our discussion on Testament. And I'm excited for what we have coming up next week. We are going to still be discussing the rest of the best of thrash metal so uh we'll keep it a secret shall we Mm -hmm. what we're gonna do next (laughs) we shall okay so you'll just have to tune in right yes right so as we do on many of our shows we go around the horn and kind of discuss uh what we're listening to currently podcasts anything like that we haven't Um, done that in ages I know, it's been quite a while since... It's been quite a while, but I'm bringing it back. I have been listening to House of Hair. Have you guys listened to that? No? (laughs) Doesn't sound like like something I'd listen to. (laughs) Really? House of Hair? Yeah. No. Is that like the new version of Hairbangers Ball? Uh, Hairbangers Ball? (laughs) House of Hair? (laughs) Tonight on House of Hair! Faster (laughs) Pussycat! (laughs) <laughs> Pastor Pussycat of all bands That's fucking awesome So Okay uh, We're gonna I'm I'm not gonna touch that one Pun intended <laughs> Oh god That's not gonna age well So The House of Hair is a podcast By my friend D. Snyder We are We are Twitter friends and um, it's fucking awesome. He's basically like House of Hair is all about. If it's not metal, it sucks. Oh, um, if it's D. Snyder, it has to be awesome. Yeah, it's super. It's super awesome. So, I highly recommend you listening to it if you haven't already. And also, I think I've mentioned the Whiskey Cast several times on the show. I believe, but sometimes I feel like I don't mention it enough. I mean, do you guys ever listen to the Whiskey Cast? Yes, I, I have feel listened like to it a few times. It's so great because it gives you just like up to the minute whiskey news, like industry news. And then they also do interviews or, you know, like in-depth stories. But, you know, it's whiskey news from around the world, too. 
and Mark has access to, he's been doing this for quite some time and has access to, you know, all the big brands and um, the ambassadors and things like that and distillers. I really love the whiskey cast and I love what Mark does. And I just wanted to make sure that I gave him a shout out on this show. Very and that's, cool. that's me. That's all I got. All right. Well, I actually have something. I wasn't really prepared for this segment, but um, <laughs> I actually have the perfect the perfect thing to bring up. And, and I was telling uh, telling Matt about it. There's a, um, a show on YouTube that I, I've seen one episode of, but I'm going to go back and watch watch more of. There's a little a show called Metal Head to Head on youtube and the episode it's basically takes two members of different metal bands sits them down and they just kind of it's almost like they interview each other they just kind of talk and ask each other questions and maybe share some shared you know stories and experiences and it's really really cool because the bands even though they're both metal bands there's some they I think they pair them up so that there's some kind of a difference between them but yet there's still enough in common that they can have a good conversation the one I watched was coincidentally enough was um Alex Skolnick from Testament and Michael and, Sweet um, Michael Sweet from Striper <laughs> And which and and they talk was about really Christian good. bands and um, Testament and Striper. <laughs> yeah, as an I example. The and there's another one here that Joe Satriani and Vinnie Paul. Um, there's that Rudy would be Sarzo cool and watch. Frank Bello too. Yeah. So I'm going to be watching more of that, and I would recommend that to anyone who's into metal music. Hell yeah! Awesome. How about you, Maddie? Well, I have to delve into my wrestling world. Everyone sighs. Oh, wrestling. <laughs> now, you know, since Jenny and I, Jenny from Pretty Good for a Girl, obviously, uh, started our, you know, Wrestling with Respect podcast, we have connected with quite a few smaller wrestling podcasts on Instagram. And I just want to give a few of them a shout out. Great content that they put forward on their podcasts. Um, so the 20 by 20 podcast, the Matt Men podcast, Through the Table podcast, and the Mixed Tag Team podcast uh, have all friended us and liked all of our stuff and have been kind of supportive for us. So I uh, just wanted to thank them and go check them out if you're wrestling fans of any age. Very cool. Yeah. Well, also, if you're a wrestling fan of any age or just you don't even have to be a wrestling fan. I highly recommend you listening to Wrestling with Respect, Matt oh, yeah. and Jenny's show. Yeah. I listen to it. I know jack shit about wrestling. I know some stuff about Hulk Hogan and was his name Randy Savage? Macho Man, Randy Savage. Macho Man. Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah, all those. Well, like back <laughs> Ooh, in the yeah. day when, what was it? Was it Friday nights wrestling would come on in the 80s? Saturday night. Yeah. Saturday main, nights. Saturday night's main event. Yeah. yeah. And I was a big fan of Glow um, in the 80s as well. I loved Glow. That's it. That's the extent of what I know. And I listened to your show, and I am excited to learn. And you guys are really funny, so I can't wait to hear more. Thank you. Second that. You're welcome. And if it was crap, I would tell the listeners. You know me. I don't care. It's true. Show's crap. 
It's true. But he pays it would break me my to heart, putting, it, putting it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the end. The end. Ed, get us out of here. All right. Thanks for sticking around, listeners. We hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did. And as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter as the Spirit of Rock Podcast Network or as Metal Rock and Whiskey. And um, we also have a Facebook group under our podcast network name, Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. And you can also follow us individually. You can find me at Bourbon Geek on the Instagrams. Um, Sailor, where can they find you? You can find me all over the internet as Sailor Retro. Matt? And of course, you can find me at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. And that's it. We're done. We're out of here. That's it. The end. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. All right. Remember to tune in next week for another episode of the Metal Rock and Whiskey Podcast. Later, everyone. Fuck you, Lars. Nobody.